The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 80, creeping creeping towards triple digits. We're getting there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pediatric. We're going to talk about the week three fab report and a lot of awesome listener questions. And and to find my co-host on the podcast, find me on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, man? We are doing pretty well, Bat Bubba. I'm just, uh, you know, fab is interesting this, this year. Um, the closer so. situation is interesting. I mean... Every year we kind of hear it, you know, you go, oh, they should put the guys in the highest leverage spots. They should do that. That's the smart way to play. And forever they've never, they haven't done it. It's like all at once they've all decided to do it. You know, even today with Dolis, um, we're recording this on Wednesday night and, and Dolis didn't even get the save opportunity. They had him face the middle of the order um, in the bottom of the eight. <laughs> so, oh, joy. Uh, but yeah. it's been good. It's been good. I mean, I really love this time of year. I love as we head into May, I think um, I think that's when people start making irrational decisions, you know, like they start getting impatient. I think I've already started getting a little bit impatient and made some bad decisions in fab, which I'm going to talk a little bit about today. But yeah, you just, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I really enjoy once we start getting a little bit larger samples and people start feeling the pressure and, and stuff like that. I'm already seeing some names show up on the fab list where I'm like, oh. That's that's yep. an interesting choice. So, yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's, uh, sorry we had to postpone everybody. Uh, my internet was out till about nine thirty, nine forty five on Tuesday. I was out for like six or so hours, so it was better to record tonight and move on from that situation. So, yeah, we we will go that route. It's it's going to be interesting to see how the fab continues. Like I'm watching Diego Castillo just blew a save for the the Rays, and mm-hmm. Sal- Salvi Perez just walked it off. So. Oh, did Salvi walk it off? Well, not with a homer, like a, a double down the line. 
Did Whitmerfield yeah, Whit Whit score? I don't believe it was Wit. I believe it was someone else. But uh, it could have been. I think it was Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez scored. Nicky Lopez. Wit, Wit was on base. Nicky Lopez scored. Well, it, it was typical Royals fashion. A bloop single. Jared Dyson pinch runs, steals a base, gets sacrificed a third, squeezed yeah. in to tie the game. It was yeah. just like total Royals Small, baseball one on one. Yep, yep. It was it was something else. Oh god, where are all those Salvador Perez haters? Where where yeah, are they? Where are they? Because they're not I on this show. They're not I, on this show. That's for darn I, sure. I just need to say this. I, I'm I'm only kidding when I say things like that. I mean, yeah. I'm like the Vlad Guerrero Jr. whisperer over here. You know, so. Uh, I joke around when I say that, you know, we like to make these bold pronouncements with a lot of certainty on Twitter about different things. And a lot of the times we're wrong. And so it's it's fun when you're right. And it's not as fun when you're wrong. But as long as you have a sense of humor about it, I think it works out. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, Smato wanted me to remind you that Dolis is available in Real Fake Dynasty, if you're curious. All right. So. Well, uh, a fun thing about the Real Fake Dynasty League that I'm in with Smata and a few other people uh, in my original draft, back in 2018, I drafted Trent Grisham, dropped him. I drafted Trevor Rogers, dropped him. Oh boy! And I also had Corbin Burns, and I traded him two years ago for Max Kepler. So I'm done Run making good. trades, man. I'm done trading my prospects. But didn't you win? win. I won, won the won first. The I won the first two. Yeah, but then, then, yeah, then it, that's all that really matters I mean, in the end. It's fine. It's still bitter about it. I mean, God, they're all. I mean, Corbin Burns, talk about a miss. Jesus. No, I'm still like, I never denied his talent. I said it's the innings, so I, I'm not ready to. I get, I'll take a partial L on it, but I, I, there's still a long ways to go there. Give me a white flag, man. I'm waving it. I'm That's waving it for everybody to see. Can't give uh, up that soon. That'd be like geez. saying Tyler Glass now too. Like we saw. Hey, Denellis and Lamette, right? Am I right? I don't have any Lamet. I did not yeah. draft Lamet in any, anywhere. So, yeah, that's a whole other topic that just sucks. But uh, yeah. yeah, let's. Uh, there's tons of there's tons of injuries. We're not going to talk about them on this show. Like we could, I I text Toby earlier because we want to try to start incorporating some recent news. But you guys had a lot of awesome listener questions, and I texted him. I said, "There's a lot of injuries. Like, how many do you want to discuss?" <laughs> and he's like, eh, "Let's just leave that for another time." <laughs> I I believe in churning 14 offensive. Yeah. Uh, roster spots and nine pitching roster spots. That's probably the best way to handle this season, week yeah. in, week out. I got dollar I, bids. I tweeted it this morning. I went on to my tout team, and almost my entire bench is on the DL right now. Or it says DL, it's the IL, but it says DL still on that site. So mm-hmm. it's almost all on the IL. I'm just like banging my head against the wall. It's like this is so great. So yeah, yeah so much fun. It's like there's a point in the season where it doesn't matter how talented you are playing fantasy baseball. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's kind of my way of saying people just try to enjoy it. It's the best you can do right now. <laughs> like right. It's just some of it's some of it's completely out of your hands. There's nothing you can do. So see see what it is, and we'll talk some fab this week and kind of see if it's worth chasing. If it's not worth chasing, like Toby said, we might have to like start incorporating who are the surprising drops in your league because it is starting to happen. There's some names that are getting dropped that make things like, huh? Do I go pick them up for you know two or three bucks next week and just mm-hmm. kind of sit on them situations that might be more entertaining than actually going through and talking about these players per se. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look into that for the future, but let's go in to the usual player movement on the NFBC from uh, this past Sunday. And we'll talk about the top few guys kind of give our thoughts here. And the top player, Toby hinted at it earlier was Rafael Delis. He was added in 382 leagues. And then I say it every episode, but it blows my mind as high as two forty four, but in some leagues he went for a dollar. 
and I have a dollar. Like every single player except one went for a dollar. Like those leagues, I, I'm never in those leagues. I'd really be shocked. But I will say, and I I tweeted it out on Monday. I was surprised how little movement or little secondary bids there were on a lot of players this week. So I don't know if it's because everyone spent so much money already, or it's just like I just don't want to waste my time. I don't know. But Rafael Delis, we talked about he's in the high leverage spot. I've been trying to tell people now. Don't stress about the saves as much as if they are in the high leverage, the saves are going to come. So that's the guy you want in the end. Are you a believer in that? Uh, Romano's supposed to be back uh, real soon. Merriweather's still a ways away. He looks like he's pretty banged up, but you're going to get Romano back soon as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Dolis is still the one. Of all the arms, including Romano, I'd like to have. I think Dolis is still the guy that I want to have. I think there's a few reasons. I mean, number one, like we saw, I mean, Romano hasn't been good right? Like he hasn't, he hasn't pitched well so far this season. Yes, he's been good, but how many innings has he thrown over the last few years? Right. And so he may come back. Who knows whether he's going to stay healthy. He has not shown the ability to do that all at all throughout his career. And, and also he hasn't been that good. And Delise has not been great either, but he was good towards the back end of last year. They didn't have a problem with him closing out games. You know, he gave up a home run today, but he struck out two. He was facing the heart of the order, and I think they were just putting him in the highest leverage spot. And so even if that's still their philosophy, we're going to put our best pitcher in the highest leverage spot. Um, Then, um, you know, then who knows, right? Then everybody's going to get opportunities for saves. And at this point in time, like a guy who gets 15 saves over the course of the season – is like a pretty decent guy to have on your squad. I mean, I don't know what the save thresholds are going to be in leagues for 80th percentile, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be fairly low. I mean, I would not be surprised if it dropped into like uh, 60 or something like that um, for this year. So uh, we'll, we'll see there, but I think Dolis is the healthiest, the combination of the healthiest and skill. I don't know what Miza dad did. He gave up a single to start off the inning, but he he, um, he closed he closed it down. They won six three. He was able to close it down. Nice. Um, so yeah, so so who knows? But I think Dolis in that situation is the guy that I want the most. I think I only got him one once in Fab because my bids were in like the fifty to eighty range. I think um, I just wasn't necessarily um, willing to go that that high with him. Um, given the news about Romano coming back and just uncertainty about how they were going to handle the bullpen. So, yeah. Yeah, that was my problem. I, I didn't get any shares. The, the shares I have of the lease are in best balls, draft champions, where I already have him. So there's nothing I could do there. I didn't I didn't go fabbing for him because I do believe Romano's still a good pitcher, and they wanted him to be the closer at one time, so I think he's going to still be in the mix. It was just such a messy situation where it's like, knock on wood, I'm actually, I'm not like great in saves, but I'm getting saves. So I wasn't going to try to chase him with him. I'm going to go get some other guys. And that's where my focus was. He's still a good pitcher. Like I'm with you there. That'll be interesting. I think he'll get his chances, but uh, it wasn't my main target. That's for sure. Uh, real quick question here. Yancey Eaton wants to know, Toby, how do you keep your hats looking so sharp? It's incredible. Um, you know, I'm going to show that there just mm-hmm. so everybody can see this incredible question from Yancey. Um, Yancey, I, um, I purchased the hats um, and then I put them on my head. That's, that's how it happens. You know, the magic, I mean, if we're being honest with each other, it's not really the hat that's magic, right? It's the face. It's the beard. We've discussed this. The beard is There's been listener beard. questions on the, what makes the beard, the beard. And I, I, the hat's <laughs> just a, the hat's an accessory to the beard. There you go. There so. you go. 
Uh, let's talk about our next guy here. And this one, I was see, I was more intrigued with Kendall Graveman than Rafael Dolis personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall Graveman went in 320 leagues, I think, because people are starting to grab him a little earlier already for cheaper. Um, he went for as high as 410, as low as two dollars. He's the only player that went for more than a dollar. No one got him for a buck. That was good Kendall. to see. But um, he went for up to 410. I'm actually intrigued by him, and people are already stressed out because oh no, he didn't get the save chance the other day. But no, he came in the high leverage spot. The way the this way they could win their game against the Dodgers, it was much like it was necessary. So I think Graveman's the real deal for now in in the back end of that bullpen, and that's the guy I want. So I had no problem with people. I, I don't. I still don't think you should be breaking the bank on closers. I think we've talked about that enough. But I, I didn't mind people spending on Graveman compared to Dolis. Yeah, I, I agree. Graveman, I think I bid like 150. Oh, man, it was brutal. I bid, bid 154 on Graveman in the one main event league that he was available in, and I lost at 157. Oh. And then in my second bid was, I think it was like 70, no, it was like 57 bucks for Peterson, I think, of the Mets. Or oh, 54 no. bucks for Peterson, and I lost at 57 in the same league. Okay, well, that's so, a good thing you lost that one. It's a good thing you lost that one after today. Well, I mean, yeah, but he was super unlucky. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't watch the game. He didn't go deep into the game. He walked a couple, but, you know, uh, what did he give up? Six runs, but two were earned. Yeah. Uh, poor defense. He gave up three singles in a row, including one infield single. You know, so I don't mind those types of outings, right? It's like, I mean, honestly, his outing was better than Michael Walker, who I got everywhere. I mean, Walker, like, should have given up 18 home runs today. Um, but for Graveman, uh, yeah, I, I, he was my top guy. Um, and the reason why, I mean, the v, I've never been a Graveman fan, but the velocity is there. It's up, uh, I think, like 96.2 or something like that. So it's way up. He's got the two secondary pitches. He's got the changeup, and I think it's a slider that he's incorporated as well, which are both close to 20% swinging strike rate pitches. But again, with Graveman, like you look at how the Mariners used him against the Dodgers, right? He didn't get the save because they brought him in to face the heart of the order and he pitched really well. So Graveman was actually the guy where I was like, I I believe in in kind of what's happening here. And, you know, I always do like a little bit of a, I look at CSW, I look at swinging strike, I look at all those metrics, but I also look at the percent of pitches that are balls. And he was one of the few relievers that I was looking at that really had not been struggling with the strike zone um, so far this year. So he was, he was my top choice, but I didn't get him um, anywhere. I, I don't think maybe in like a, an OC or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. No, he, he I was all aboard the Graveman train and, and trust me, I was very stubborn. I remember going back in like December or January when everybody started really digging in and um, I tweeted out roster resource has Kendall Graven as like the closer or in a committee. And I'm like, what in the world did I miss? And Michael Ajetto, he slid into the DMs from Pitcherlist, and he's he's a Mariners guy, and he's covered him, and he's seen him. Big Graveman fan. Yeah, and he's like, he basically goes on this whole thing about this is why Graveman is the closer, and I'm like, at least it opened my eyes. I started paying a little more attention. Like I have him in the some DCs and best balls, but I wasn't sold on him yet. Now I get it. Like watching him pitch right now, I'm like this is not the starting for the Oakland A's, Kendall Graveman. This is actually mm-hmm. a, a different person. So, big fan of that one. All right, the next big mover and shaker, 305 leagues, 252 max, one min, Zach McKinstry of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers battling a bunch of injuries, so he's going to get some playing time out there. But at the same time, it's the Dodgers, and they have so many guys rotating for playing time. Like I know how good McKinstry is doing, but I, I just couldn't stomach putting big money out there. I might regret it, but uh, are you in on him? Because it's, it's literally once one or two guys comes off the IL, is he even 
viable anymore is my concern. Yeah, I, I was not. I actually didn't even put any bids on McKinstry, um, honestly, which which may have been an, been a mistake. I mean, from my understanding of his profile, both in terms of the projection, but also, um, well, and it's also because I, I'm just so desperate for closers, honestly, that like my sole focus in Fab the last couple of weeks has been trying to luck myself into into a closer situation. So I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, honestly. But my understanding of his profile is there's not a lot of power there. There's not a lot of speed there. So you're really looking at a, at a fairly, quote unquote, empty batting average. Obviously, you know, he could provide some runs in RBI in the Dodgers rotation, but, you know, he he um, hasn't yet. You know, right now he's got a 342 BABIP, which gives him a 296 batting average. You know, so all the numbers so far are terrific. But with the question long term about playing time, with the other questions, I want to know that this is a guy that's going to play for most of the season when I'm bidding that amount on him. Um, and so I, I really, you know, and I know he's going to get outfield eligibility, maybe second base eligibility as well. So that'll help out certainly, but I don't see him, you know, as a guy who's going to contribute much outside of uh, the batting average. Um, and even in the, even with the Dodgers lineup now, I mean, I haven't been spotting the lineup too hardcore, but um, I feel like that he hasn't even been playing every day. No, even with the guys, the guys out. So against lefties, he's going to sit, and that's just not a profile I want to spend money on. Yeah, he's a platoon player, strong side of platoon, but still a platoon on the Dodgers, which is scary. So I'm with you. That's why I couldn't do it. Like I put a couple, like maybe twenty dollar bids at the most. It was just one of those that, with as much money as getting spent already, and guys needing to fix this and all these injuries, I need to put a guy out there I know is going to play. Like I'd rather get my chances with something like that, and with McKinstry, it's just tough. I, I, I he's one of those I might regret it, but I just don't see where the playing time is going to be. Michael Fulmer went 258 leagues, max of 147, low of one, pitched okay on the first game of the doubleheader on Wednesday. I'm like I'm intrigued with Fulmer, but I still am not like ready to go all in on Fulmer, so I pretty much avoided this one. Were you a Fulmer guy this week? I was a former guy, not to the extent that I think some people were. Uh, my bids were in the in the mid twenties, I think, mid to upper twenties for him. You know, he had a really nice before the the postponement. He had a really nice two step, you know, uh, against Pittsburgh and then KC uh, on Sunday. You know, the velos up. You know, and these are the types of things that I'm really looking at early in the season. The velocity was up. The skills accordingly were up. You know, there's still like you look at him, right? He's got a 143 BABIP and a, and a 100% strand rate. So you know that 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 there's going to be some movement in the ratios there. But 25% K minus walk rate, 12% swinging strike rate. The control metrics aren't great, but one of the things that I look for is the increase in the O swing. So he's getting guys to chase on pitches outside the zone, which I think is really important because if you can get get guys to swing on pitches outside the zone. You don't necessarily need to be dominant in the zone, but he has been strong in the zone too. Uh, 81.6% in zone contact rate. So I was in on Fulmer, but just given the situation, given, given the injury history, given the innings question marks, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't on, on board as much as other people. I think I got him in one um, online championship league. Maybe, maybe it was a main event league. I can't remember, but um you know, my bids were kind of upper 20s, and a lot of people were going in the 50s, I think, for him. Yeah, most of my bids for a lot of these guys we're going to talk about, I don't think many of them went past 50 bucks for the most part. I was pretty – I still ended up with like three or four guys. I was churning spots, but I didn't go all in on many guys. So there's a lot of these guys. If 
like you said, some there are people that wanted Fulmer more, and I did more often than not, so I did not get him anywhere. Alex Cobb, I was quite interested in. He was the next guy on the list of 250 leagues, as high as 214, as low as one. I was actually surprised he went for as high as he did because he wasn't a two-stepper this week. So usually you can kind of slide those one-star pitchers a little lower under the radar sometimes. Not Alex Cobb. People are loving what they saw so far to start the season. The splitter, he's using it at such a ridiculous rate. Um, hearing Alex Fast talk about it because he got to see him in Baltimore for a while, and now he's very sad, just like Dylan Bundy coming to Anaheim. It was a good conversation. I heard uh, Spore and Mason and talk about it as well. The splitter is such a volatile pitch, like we talked about with Gosman and stuff, but he's used it so well um, over 50, almost 60% of the time. Like He's using it a ton, but it's super effective. It's just if he loses it, he's screwed. So it's it's tough to see, but I was willing to give him a chance. Six-man rotation, he's not going to get shelled, or at least left out there to get shelled a ton, you'd hope. I was intrigued. I still didn't land him anywhere. Any thoughts on Alex Cobb? Yeah, I didn't really get him anywhere except for some online championships um, because he just wasn't available in my leagues. But I love what I've seen so far with Cobb. I mean, you know, he's got a three, he, he's, he's has a 393 bab up against and a 66.2% strand rate. But just listen to this. I mean, 30.6% came on his walk rate, 19.1% swinging strike rate, a 45.7% O swing. He's dominating in the zone as well, 78.8%. Uh, First pitch strike rate, he's getting ahead of hitters as well. So just everything that you want to see. You mentioned, you know, he's been throwing the, uh, the splitter uh, more often. I mean, everything you want to see, everything you want to see, 57.1% uh, ground ball rate. Right. So he's just a 3.2 uh, ground ball with a fly by ball rate. So everything that you want to see in a pitcher, he's showing you. And he's been solid enough in the past where, you know, the fact that he's made this change, he's switched where he's going. He's no longer pitching in Baltimore in that in that stadium. He's in a better context. He has access to wins on that team. And, and now he's made a pitch mix change. I, I really love it. I have him in a few places. Um, uh, uh yeah, I got him last week, I think a couple times, um, and maybe picked him up because uh, I think he had a good good first first start. But yeah, he plays at Houston, but I'm actually not that against the at Houston uh, game this week because they're gonna. This is their first game back from Colorado, uh, yeah. Houston's first game back from Colorado, and it's in a very good um, pitcher's park um, with uh, uh, at minute minute eight or whatever it's called yeah. these days. So I really like that a lot. And then next week he has Texas as well. So that's another reason I think to be really excited, but he seems more like a long-term play to me than a guy that you're just picking up for a week, at least in deeper leagues and like 15 teamers and even 12 teamers. I think he may be useful uh, moving forward. I think he'll have his blowups here and there, but generally speaking, I'm really digging what I'm seeing out of Alex Cobb. Yeah, I am. I am intrigued to see how he does on uh, Thursday in Houston because it's the first game like back in Houston, like you said, it's the first game where they're all back except Altuve. Because now even Jordan enters the lineup. He didn't play in Colorado because no DH. Like it's they're almost back to healthy for the first time in like ten days or fourteen. It feels like a long time, a long time since we saw the full Astros lineup out there. So I'm curious about that. I, I think he'll be fine. I recommended him for DFS on the show I did already. So you can go check that out. But um, I think the reason he went for so much money this week is our good old buddy Vlad Settler. He wrote about him, and he also talked about the fact that unlike some two-star pitchers, like you just said, with Alex Cobb, you can actually utilize him off and on the entire season. You're not just going to 
play him and drop him. Where with like two some two star guys, like you literally grabbed him, and Joe Ross will be on the waiver wire next week. So it's going to be like that kind of situation. So it might have been worth spending money on uh, type deal. Yeah, and and um and Joe Ross. Well, I guess we're going to talk about Joe. Yeah, Ross. we'll talk about him shortly. I'll, 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 I'll hold off on that. All right, the next guy on the list, Jed Lowry, uh, two hundred thirty five leagues, one eighty five max, one min. I didn't get any this week because I got about three or four shares last week when he was really cheap because that's the one thing is I, 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 I stress to people playing DFS has made me a better fantasy player because I saw him already heating up before having to wait a week to see him heating up. And so I was just, I got him like in barf. I got him in other leagues really early, especially OBP formats. He's really good there. But even in, in non-OBP, the guy's hitting. He's hitting in the middle of the order, playing while he's healthy. And so I got him for cheap. I have no problem with people with as many injuries as there are, his middle infield eligibility. I think he's a, you're not going to find a lot of guys at his level right now. There will be other guys, but I think it's a great pickup. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, Lowry's super solid, you know, now that he's healthy, like you mentioned, he's hitting in the middle of that lineup. He's always been a really good OBP guy in particular. So strong OBP also keeps the K rate down. He's continuing to do that. Great plate discipline, great contact skills. So the batting average is never going to be that low, right? I don't think he's going to sit at above 300. You know, he's never done that before. He's got a 364 Babbitt. But once that gets down to like his career norm of about 300, right, he'll be hitting in the 270-ish, you know, 270 to 280 range probably, um, which will be really nice in the middle of that lineup. You look at some of the quality of contact metrics. Exit velocity is really high. Max exit below is decent. It's actually higher than he has it by 0.1. It's higher than it's been in uh, six years or the six years since StatCast has been uh, tracking the data. The hard hit rate's really high. The barrel rate is strong. So everything's really nice about him. He hits a lot of balls in the air, doesn't hit a lot of grounders. So um, solid Lowry. I, I wish I had picked him up a, a few more spots early on. Um, I think that was a, that was a mistake. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. He, it's just he's one of those guys that, like I'm going to write it while I can because I'm I wouldn't be shocked if any moment you're like, okay, there goes the knee again or whatever. Like it's, it, it, you, you just, you just, he's one of those guys I don't feel comfortable with at any moment, but I'm going to write a while. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, Joe Ross, you, we kind of hinted at him. I'm looking forward to Joe hearing you have to say, Ross. yeah, he got, uh, let's just say hit around a bit. Uh, his last start, 245 leagues, 149 max, one men. I liked what I saw, but I, I was like, I didn't spend much on him. I don't, I think I maybe got him in one league. I don't even remember. Because I just I have so many horror stories with Joe Ross. I needed I needed more to to believe it to see it with Joe Ross because we've been down this road before. It feels like with him. So what do you have on Joe Ross? Yeah, I mean I think Ross is just like a critical example about how early on in the season we develop narratives around players, right? We develop these narratives around players instead of looking at the hard skills and whether things have changed. Now again, like I make the same mistake, so I'm not saying this in a way that's designed to be like. You picked up Joe Ross. What on earth were you thinking? But if you looked at Joe Ross before his last start, and I I don't have his numbers before the last start, but his swinging strike rate was around 7%. His velocity was the exact same as it usually is. His control skills were exactly the same as they they were previously. The only things that were different were things like Babbitt and things like strand rate and things like home runs per nine, right? Or home runs per fly ball. It was zero heading into today. And so I think that's why it's so important to look for like a narrative about why a, why a player has made these changes, right? I talked a little bit about this um, with Zach Plesak and why I didn't buy into him 
And, and again, uh, this is like confirmation bias. So I'm just putting this out there. And also for Dave McDonald, cheers, Dave, was there was no, there was a velo dip, but all of a sudden his secondaries got a lot better without necessarily looking that good. Like when you actually looked at the secondaries. And so that kind of raised some questions in my mind with Ross, it's the same thing. Like look at the skills, don't look at the results because when you look at the results, the skills are the same and the results are better. Regression is going to hit. And sometimes you're going to get lucky. Like I'm actually feeling this way about our, our boy, Austin Gomber heading into next week. Gomber actually doesn't look that good when you look under the hood. Yeah, he pitched you know? great against Houston and Colorado. He pitched great. I'm interested I was very to see how he did, like from a skills perspective. Yeah. But like, you know, the swinging strike rate super low. The control metrics aren't great. Like, I'm kind of feeling that that way a little bit. But you, you got to take some risks sometimes. So, and yeah. some people decide to do that with Ross, which is which is fine. But when you play with that fire, right? When a guy has showed you who he is repeatedly, and there is no discernible skill change then you are taking a huge amount of risk yep. when you play those guys. You know, a huge especially amount. And that's what happened with Ross. Especially breaking the bank. Yeah, exactly. Like if, like if it's like 10, 20 bucks, I get what you're doing. But those $150 guys, it's tough. Yeah. That's, but on your, on your Gomber note, like I know you grabbed some too. And I was, that was like, I was, I was really I, happy. I, I grabbed some Gomber. Today. Yeah, I was happy to get some where I had him because the reason I'm happy about it is we got him a week early for really cheap. Like I'm talking yeah. a couple like single digits type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got so that that's that's where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna roll him out there and let's go because it's it didn't kill me. Um, that's one thing I'm really trying to make a concerted effort. I know you do it, and I'm trying to do it more this year. I get up the Rotowire page, I see the projected starters, mm-hmm. look at that stuff. I'm trying to just find little nooks and crannies here and there that I could. I can find because I know I'm not the only one doing it, but if I can get a couple guys each, you know, let's say a couple guys a month for like five or six bucks, like I did Gomber, I'll be happy in the end. So yeah, that's the that's the goal. The, the week early piece is key because it's like like Spencer Turnbull. I got him in in a few places last week because um, there was question marks about how he was going to pitch this week. But Steve, I mean Turnbull to me is is a is yeah. he's a full year starter. I mean, like, I was looking to draft him to keep on his roster. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, but there's not a lot of two starters for next week that I've seen yeah. so far. It's going to take some movement in them. But the Rotowire starting pitcher grid is worth the subscription in and of itself. So, oh yeah, it's huge. It's super easy to use. It's super easy to read, and it even helps if you if you're looking for hitters too. Like it's really. Oh, I, I I was yeah. using it before this as we were getting ready yeah. for the for the thing. I was just looking at like going through my roster and seeing these question marks for next week. Who do I start? This guy or this guy? And looking at the the probable pitchers to figure out who who might be, have the best matchups. And there's a key that Toby just mentioned right there. Don't wait till Saturday or Sunday to figure this out, folks. You're going to kill yourself. Like at least you don't have to do like the deep dives, but at least put, like peek at it and stuff and throw those guys in the queue, throw those guys in the queue. So you have a sense of who might be yeah. of intrigue. Use, use the watch way. list. I'm telling you, it's a, it, especially NFBC because you do it on one thing and it converts yes. to all of your leagues. Like it's, Fan tracks like their overall format for drafts and everything is okay. Their fab is oh, the most painful thing in the world. Oh my god! Don't get me started. Yeah. Fan tracks. I would pay money to move my leagues from fan tracks yeah. because of the it, fab. Like I think now that barf and these ones are all like a, there's like a, a group of them now. I, I have a hunch that I pray to God uh, they're on NFBC well, next year. Barf's got to go to NFBC. I hope but, it goes but to I'm NFBC with all of them year. now and, and an overall that just needs to go over there. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh, for sure. oh, for sure. I mean, so. the thing is, it's just like you need to create. I mean, I think last week for Barf, 
which for those who aren't familiar, it's Bay Area Roto Fantasy League. It's like an industry league of people who live in the Northern California slash Bay Area, um, broadly speaking. And um, I, I think I put together 57 separate, like, you know. Uh, it probably took you more time to do that than all of your NFPC stuff. Oh my God, it's painful. And it's always, I do that at the end. So it's like, yes, it's always my last I'm one too. I'm so <laughs> tired. Like I literally, um, it, you have to like write it down on paper who you want because you have to go back and do it individually every time. It's like the worst thing in the world. Even with the copy bids functionality, like let me, let me create a conditional bid list just in, yeah. and copy it, you know, like. Well, uh, and then it, and then it annoys me because we've gotten in trouble like in recent years. I don't even know if they fixed it this year. Like in the past, so you put a bunch of them out there as like conditional, and then somehow you win like all of them, and now you have uh, you're have an illegal roster, and someone else couldn't pick them up, so now you drop them. Like it's a whole messed up system. It's just annoying, but that's not what people are here to listen for. I yeah, guess. it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's a it's, before I go down yeah, into a dark place. It's, it's a it's a tough one, but uh, Jacob Junis, he had a not great start. He, it he could have been worse. Let's put it that way, but it wasn't great. Two hundred twenty four leagues, one seventy five to one dollar. I was intrigued with the pitch mix change, but in the end, he's still a two-pitch pitcher. And I think that's what got to him this week. He had much more cutter, which has been effective. Like, you look at the, how it was in two starts, like less than a, one, a .100 batting average, XBA of like 140 or 150 against. It's been outstanding. Whiff rate of almost 60% the cutter has, but he's just a cutter fastball guy, and that's eventually going to catch up to you from time to time. It'll be effective, but not every start. So, I'm still intrigued with Junis and streaming options, but I'm not surprised at the same time, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts on Junis? Yeah, I wasn't really interested in Junis, mostly because, you know, during the spring, there was all this talk about how his his fastball velocity had increased in addition to the new cutter. But there was no fastball velo. He's a, it's actually down a ton today. Um, his fastball velocity was down 1.2 miles per hour. He averaged, he averaged 89.8 on his four-seam his sinker averaged 87.7 miles per hour, but he didn't really uh, throw it. So it might be that like the changeup was coded as a, as a, as a, as a sinker sometimes, but yeah, it's just not, it's just not enough for me. Like in that situation, you know, in, in Kansas city, I mean, it's a great hitters ballpark, but we've seen him not be very good for a long time. So I need to see, something skill wise that's that's different and i don't think even his his swinging strike rate headed stri- swinging strike rate heading in today was all that great i will double check that just because i don't like to mislead people um so heading into today his swings oh no i was actually okay 12.4 well, he's, he's, he's been great. effective he's been he's effective great. that cutter mm-hmm. like if you look at savant and compare his cutter usage and what it has done compared to what he was using his pitch mix last week's heavy slider, I want to say, um, it's a massive difference to his overall production, like sure. a huge difference. It's just one of those things. He's still a two pitch pitcher, and we've talked about that so many times. Mm-hmm. If like one of them's not working or whatever, like you saw the velocity was down on the one, well now you sit on the other, and it's just like okay, here we go. So that's his problem. He needs to maybe cut back a bit on one of the two, if not both, and start incorporating the changeup or a curveball or something. Then mm-hmm. we might see a, then we might see a really strong pitcher, but yeah. he's not quite there just yet. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, that 19% CSW today. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but heading into today, I mean, now that I'm looking at the numbers a little more closely, um, I mean, he looked really good. So he's a guy where he's had a rough outing. Let's see, maybe depending on what the matchup is next week, maybe maybe uh, maybe still plug him in there because it did look really good heading into this week. So. 
Yeah, no, I'll still enjoy him because you got to remember, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go drop like Joe Ross. I drop him tomorrow if you want. I would keep Jacob Junis just for the fact he's going to play the Tigers. He's going to play in that division just in general a lot. So he's not like an Alex Cobb type where you can see yourself using him a lot. But I could see myself at least two weeks out of the year, out of the month, if not three weeks, having a, at least a discussion of having Jacob Junis in my lineup to face somebody within that division more often than not. So I, I think there's upside to him for sure, unless it just completely, unless he goes back to the batting practice pitcher we're used to. We'll see. JT Brubaker, common pickup he uh, dealt. I believe he's a two-star pitcher two weeks ago, and then everyone went to pick him up yes. after he pitched really, really well. 217 leagues as high as 143, as low as one. I already had him in a bunch of spots, so I didn't have to bid on him at all. I know you had him in a bunch of spots. This is one of those guys that I think it was more of a FOMO for a lot of people. It's like, oh, I missed on this. Let's go grab him. I still think it's a good bid because I think he's pretty legit to me. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. Uh, I think he's. Legi- I think he's relatively legit. I mean, he's not like legit like what he's doing right now. But he's, he's like an SP four, SP five, something yeah, like that. He's a very serviceable pitcher. I expect yeah. him to have an ERA in the threes. Yep. You know, a whip in the one two ish area, and get you like a strikeout per nine, which is gold. I mean. Yep. It is gold given what we are, what we are seeing already, you know, and it's not even warm yet. Um, yeah. With Brubaker, I actually, I just counted. I have 12, 12 shares of him <laughs> um, on NFBC leagues, just on NFBC leagues. Um, and so when he, when, how he does uh, greatly impacts how I do, but I think he's, you know, he's got decent um, fastball sinker. I think he throws the sinker more. Um, and the four seamer, but this slider is is the really good pitch, um, and and it's it's been good for him. And there's nothing super out of whack with him, right? Uh, Two seventy BABIP, you know that'll come up a little bit probably. The strand rate is high, so that'll go down. You know the home run per nine will probably um, level up a little bit, but again, he plays in a pretty nice park for that, relatively speaking. Um, and he has he didn't have any issues uh, last year with home runs. Small sample hashtag small sample. Um, but overall pretty solid. He's not even where he was last year in a lot of respects, like the O swings down swinging strike rate is down, but it is double digits. The K minus walk rate is 19.7%. So I just think he's an all around really solid pitcher. You know, he's going to have his ups, his downs, but I think by the end of the year, he's going to be somebody that you're really happy to have on your team. And so right now I'm, I'm really happy to have him on a lot of teams and he's definitely somebody that I would target if they were still on the wire. Yeah, I, ha- I just looked as when you were talking. I have him in four of my nine NFBC leagues. I know I'm pretty sure I have him in Barf, and I know I'm having him in a couple other leagues. I was drafting him everywhere I could, especially closer, oh. closer, closer to the season we got. I was all in on him. So Do you have him in the Battle of the Pods. Uh, you got to check that out because I do not. That would be, and that be, means that that means that your love for him was stronger than my love for him. It'd be fitting, but see the thing with Battle of the Pods, we drafted that so early. Like, like before I probably even did any real researching to do anything to be like, oh, yeah, JT Brubaker is a guy I'd like to have some shares of. Um, let's see here. I yeah, I was targeting Brault earlier on, but like I, I have him literally nice. on all but two teams after my fifth draft champions. Nice. And yeah, I, did, no. I did 14 draft champions. Yeah, pretty much in all. Like, I don't have him in the Battle of the Pods, but um, I, I bet you Simeon does. Um, mm. Brault. Drew Baker and uh, yeah, I, I was I was with you on Brault as well. He was, he was we sure. talked about that on our shares page. Just like we're just not going to talk about him because it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, let's talk about another guy that got picked up quite a bit. The mayor of Ding Dong City, Travis Shaw, playing every day for the Brewers, hitting very well. Even had a big 
He had a big game on Wednesday. He's picked up in 198 leagues, as high as 209, as low as one. The 209 kind of stood out like a, I don't know about that, but um, I do see the willingness to grab him. I'd ride him while he's hot for sure. Uh, first base, third base eligibility, enjoy it. So I have no problem with people adding him at all. Uh, that was one guy I just didn't didn't happen to acquire, but I had no problem with him at all. I think he's going to be a good good ad for now. Yeah, I actually I'm surprised he was available in so many leagues. Well, I guess it's probably shallower leagues, but yeah, um, I've had him for a couple weeks. He's been very solid. I mean, you know, the plate discipline is always good with Shaw. The contact rate has jumped up; it's up ten percent. You know, one thing I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Matt Modica pointed out that Shaw and the Brewers have not faced one lefty all season long yet. Yeah, I saw. And through yeah. through this through this year or through this week, that continues. So, um, yeah, that, that was a crazy stat. It was, it was them. And then it was, wasn't it the Royals that faced like six in a row or something like that? There was some crazy stat that, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane that in this era, the Brewers have not faced a starting pitching lefty yet. <laughs> or, yeah. Early season for sure. What's interesting for me about Shaw actually is the walk rate is low and the strikeout rate is really high. Um, even though it definitely should not be. So I think if he continues to make contact the way he has, and again, he's just sitting against righties. They may bench him against lefties, although they don't have a ton of alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but I expect that to go down and then the walk rate to go up as well. The one good thing too is the power numbers or the quality of contact numbers are up a little bit, which I think is key. He's already got close to his max exit velocity from last year. The overall exit velocity isn't great, but he's got five barrels, 12.5% of uh, batted ball events. You know, uh, 40% hard hit rate. So decent enough, right? But I think um, for the last little bit, I think the major knock on him has been the quality of contact just hasn't been as good since he had that breakout season in uh, 2018, uh, that or actually 2017 and 2018 that people were so excited about. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. He's hitting a few too many ground balls, but definitely a guy in 15 teamers, especially with first and third eligibility that you want to have. Yeah, I'm very in on him for now. Ride that train while it's hot. It's going to be interesting to see how much Dan Vogelbach goes for this week because he's actually starting to play every day with Keston Hira out, and there's already rumblings that if Hira can't figure it out quickly, he's going down to AAA to figure it out, which I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, to see that happen. So um, we could get we could get some regular Vogelbach playing time. And if you're in need of home runs and you think you're decent and average, that's an interesting play. Just going to throw it out there because he's a, he's a softball player playing professional baseball. <laughs> Um, Danny Duffy, 187 leagues, 118 max, one men. This is an individual I did acquire in a few spots because similar to what I saw with Junis and his pitch mix change, Duffy's looked great and his velocity is up in a big way. So it's one of those things like you watch the velocity changes, which leads to swing and misses, which leads to strikeouts to all these. It's just kind of domino effect, like things you've talked about many times. Duffy's doing it right now. And it's one of those I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, the wheels came off the bus. But I'm writing it while I can. So I was in on Duffy. What about you? Yeah, his velo was up even more, I think, this last start than it had been previously. Um, I was in on him. I had him bids wherever he was available, but they weren't for enough. They were like mid-20%, I think. Um, so a little bit sad there. Like I had Fulmer just a little bit higher than him, um, which was which may have been a mistake, just given that Duffy has, has at least thrown innings in the, in the past a little bit. But yeah, it looks really good. Velocity's up, swinging strike rate's up 13%. Um, everything looks solid around the board. Again, he's not going to continue what he's doing exactly right now, but 
you know, if he can keep this up and keep that ERA in the threes and that whip within reason, um, K per nine, I mean, that's, that's, that's a really valuable guy. I think he's, he, you know, if I were to like look at him and what he's doing right now, I'd say like JT Brubaker ish would be kind of, a, I think a good comp for maybe what they end up in a pretty similar place. So, Oh, um, and somebody, somebody's asking yeah, a question. You just here. ask a question. No, 20 uh, bucks, 20 bucks out of a thousand. Yeah. 20 bucks out of a thousand, not, yeah, not 200. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I was at like, um, I think, I think Duffy I had at 28 and I think I had Duffy at like, or I had Fulmer at 28 and, and Duffy at like 26 or something. Yeah. Duffy went for as high as 151. I think I said, but, um, I, I was probably in the 45 ish range, give or take. I'd have to go back and look, but Again, I said like I didn't go over fifty bucks for many guys this week, but Duffy was definitely one that I went higher on than most other people because I, I at least believed in. It's like okay, if I'm going to get one of these quote unquote riskier guys, I want Duffy to be towards the top of that list type situation. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's kind of yes the uh, the the 2020 TGFBI champion Kevin Hastings says he loves all the Royals talk. The weather hurt Fulmer though from two starts to four innings. Um, yes, the Royals talks. I have no problem rooting for the Royals. I think their offense is very underrated and we'll get going. I'm a fan of that. Get Dozier going. But uh, yeah, Fulmer will be interesting to see how he goes. Be very interesting to see how he goes. He, he'll get two, yeah, he didn't get two starts this week because of the weather, but hey, maybe he gets pushed to uh, two starts next week and it's a better situation. You never know. Um, the last guy I have penciled in to talk about, we can always talk about more if there's anybody else that checks the box, but there's a lot of other guys that got added and, and could be interesting throughout the deal. But Willie Calhoun's a, a one I wanted to discuss. Went in 180 leagues. 187 max, one man. I know a lot of very sharp players were in on Willie Calhoun. Um, this is a guy that I was not in on this year, and it might just be my just like I've been on in on you for the last two or three years, and I'm just I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. He's come out swinging an okay bat, still hasn't shown me a lot. It's only been a few games, so but I want him to be very good. I just didn't even bother. What about you? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really bother either. Um, I don't know how. Uh, yeah, how many leagues he was available in mine. Um, but I think it's a good. It's a good bet, depending on what you you spend on him. Obviously, but um, great contact skills. You know, not great play discipline necessarily, but um, makes a lot of contact power. He hit twenty one home runs and three hundred thirty seven plate appearances a couple years ago. So talent's definitely there, but just hasn't been able to put it together. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's a bunch of other guys we don't need to talk about them. But like, there's Duvall, Waka, Peterson. We talked about them briefly. Josh Fleming, good start to his two star week. Uh, Votto, we're going to talk about him with some listener questions in a bit. Uh, Gibson, Adolis Garcia, or Adelis Garcia. Uh, he had another home run Wednesday. I'm a big fan of what he's doing. Shoemaker, popular two star guy. DJ Stewart was surprisingly available in a lot of leagues still. A lot of mix and match stuff that kind of fills out your rosters. What were some? Were there any other guys that really stood out? As you mentioned, Brian Garcia. Was there any other? Yeah, ones? The guys that I got to. So I will contextualize this by saying I'm desperate for saves. So in um, in my in four main events, I had three teams heading into today with zero saves. Thankfully, I, I picked up uh, Stephen uh, Crichton or Stefan Crichton, who got a save today, and then Gregory Soto got a save. Um, I picked up a lot of Brian Garcia though, just given what happened last week, you know, where Soto either came in the, in the eighth and Garcia took the ninth. I think he had two saves last week or two saves over the first couple weeks. And then there was another situation where Soto really struggled 
with his control, which he's, he's prone to do against the Astros, loaded the bases with no outs. Um, and he was able to get out of the jam, Garcia was. And so I felt like he, he was going to be the next up um, for the job. And, and I was, uh, as I have been uh, on many occasions so far, uh, very, very wrong. Uh, you know, although he did face the middle of the Pirates lineup, I will say that. So I don't know whether they're going to play high leverage and just mix and match. But um, I picked up a bunch of him just because he was going cheaper. I did have one league where I, I messed up. I messed up. I bid like 77 bucks on him. And it is like, it was just one of those bids you make and it's there and you're thinking about it. And you're like, you're just, you're like not, you don't feel good about it. You know, you just don't feel good about it. And then Fab runs and you're like, I really hope that I didn't end up getting this bid for 77 bucks. And and it happens. And, and I think that I think somebody bid like 30 bucks under it. So it wasn't awful. Or maybe it was like 17, but I should not have been bidding that. That was a, ma- a massive mistake. And then the other guy I went after pretty hard was uh, Michael Waka. I think I only got him in one made event, but I got him in um, uh, a bunch of OCs. He obviously looked awful today. He had one whiff out of 76 pitches and probably should have given up 50 home runs to the Royals, but didn't. But heading into this week, you know, 15.9% swinging strike rate, 21.3% K minus walk rate, you know, 333 BABIP, 62.5% strand rate. So it looked like he had some good luck coming to him, which he got for sure um, in this stat, uh, in this time. Um, he's got that new, he, well, it's not really a new cutter, um, but it is a, a cutter and it seems like it's different. I read an article by, um, I think it's Justin Choi at Fangraphs that talked a little bit about how he's changed his pitches. He's bumped that cutter usage up 10%. He's faded the fastball usage uh, 10%. So I felt like all around that looked really good. He's on the raise. They've got a good bullpen that won't blow wins like they did today for him. Um, and he's pitching in a ballpark that's that's pretty pretty friendly. So I felt really good about Waka. I don't feel as good about Waka, but he does have Texas. Um, he does have Texas next week, I believe. So I feel pretty good about that start, at least, to see where, where he's at heading into next week. So those were the two guys that I really – Targeted as well as um, as Peterson, DJ Peterson, is that his name? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Or, da- yeah. or yeah, yeah, David no, Peterson. DJ, no, DJ Peterson's a David prospect. Peterson. It's David, David Peterson. David Peterson. Yeah, David. Yeah. I got him in a few places as well. Uh, really strong swinging strike rate, CSW so far. Had also gotten a little bit unlucky. He got unlucky. It seemed like today he gave up four conse- four consecutive singles, I think, and an error. So he gave up six runs, only two earned and got pulled after three and one third, I believe. Um, but you know, that happens. I'm, I'm much more interested in kind of the skill components of things right now. So those are the three guys that were kind of the major targets for me um, this week. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah. Gomber was my biggest ad, I think overall, I but uh, yeah, I Duffy and uh, Fleming, we're, we're guys that I was very, very high on as well, but we, we hit on them already. So let's get to some listener questions. You guys came through in a big, big way. So let me scroll to the first one. There we are. Um, that is not the one. Here we go. This is just a brief one. Matt Williams at Matt Will or We77EMs from NBC Sports Edge and the Turn 2 podcast. Closers are the worst. That was more of a statement, but I stand by it. Question Are closers the worst? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think this year is so different, you know, I mean, in the past it's all, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, it's so hard. I mean, uh, normally I feel really good. No, normally I feel good about understanding 
like who's next in line or who could be next in line or how bullpen usage is going to happen. I have no, I have no idea. So I'm just randomly speculating on a bunch of closers. I had Anthony Bass, a bunch of places, and he obviously blew his first two saves and Yimmy Garcia is super good. Um, And so he is, he's dominating. Um, And then I had some speculations on like Emilio Pagan and Nick Whitgren and, and a bunch of people that just didn't work out. So it's just been, it's been super frustrating. And I think it is like that for everybody. Um, and it's a new kind of era of closer usage. And so that's not to say there aren't closers already, but I think it, I think managers are much more willing to move things around and not necessarily get a guy set in stone. Um, so when you can get a guy who looks pretty set in stone, definitely hop on that um, for sure. Yeah, Alex Thistlewood says, why are closers so tough this year? High leverage relief faces, not getting the closer role. And we kind of hit on this earlier. It's managers are using their best pitchers in high leverage. So like we, like we talked about Graven in the seventh, uh, tonight Delise pitched what the seventh or eighth against Boston. We're, we're going to see that more and more where what we used to think was the best pitcher that was the closer, he'll probably still close 60 to 70% of the games, but you're going to see him a lot of the time not get the save because of that situation. Yeah, yeah so – um, Zach at Zach Roto from the Draft Champions podcast. Does Joe Ross give you cold feet on Gomber for this week? Are you finding it harder to find two star blow up so far? Even you know I had a bad one. Um, we kind of talked about it earlier. I'm not worried about Gomber as much. Uh, we knew what we were getting into with Joe Ross. It's I, I just think everyone's kind of stressing out because it's been so crazy pitching wise. But a lot of these kind of risky two star guys are always been risky two star guys every year. So I think it's you kind of know that going into it. At least my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I think that the difference, I mean, like Gomber's actually been okay. He hasn't been great. Like the whip has been bad throughout his career. It's only 120 innings, but 370 RA, the 141 whip is kind of scary, 108 strikeouts. Um, He's got some components, you know, uh, of interest. He's walked a ton of guys this year. That's what I was mentioning, like 1.5% came on his walk rate, 7.7% swinging strike rate. He did better today. The end zone contact is bad. So I've got to think about it, but it is, it's, um, it's Arizona and who is it? It's at San Francisco and then Pittsburgh, um, I think, right? And then at Arizona. Oh, at Arizona. So it's away from Colorado for two. So sometimes you, sometimes you need to go for it, but I'm definitely a little cold feeded, especially cold feeded. Is that a thing? Um, especially against like the Giants. The Giants, the Giants are, are left decent hitting teams. Yeah, they you got Slater in there. You got Longo, who is rejuvenated. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've actually got to think about that, Zach, and I've got to look at what what are what are my other options that I'm looking at um, because I'm trying to be a little bit more. Uh, I'm trying to be a little bit more thoughtful in terms of who I start and who I don't start uh, this year and. And especially with the lack of K's, maybe it's not necessarily worth it to go there. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's a great question. Well, you've always been very thoughtful, so I think that's a good move on your part. Uh, Lil Book of Calm asks, as always, you guys are my most looked forward to pod of the week. Thanks for all you do. This week, I'm curious about whether a couple guys are good buy lows or or hard avoids and trade offers. Lourdes, Glaber, McNeil, Fam come to mind. Um <laughs> Lourdes, I'm not too worried about just yet. He's been banged up in COVID and stuff, so I'm kind of waiting that one out. The other three, it's tough, but I'm I'm not giving up hope yet because where you drafted them, but it's tough. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that I'm looking at at this point in the season, again, I'm looking for like concrete skill changes. And the only ones that I really trust right now are like, well, I don't really trust any of them right now. But like with Guriel, it's like, ah, oh, he's got a 243 Babbitt. His career Babbitt is 324. If he had a 324 Babbitt right now, he'd be hitting like, you know, 280 or whatever. So, you know, I'm not super concerned there. But I also want to look at the stat cast data just to see. So his max exit velo is already at 107.7. You know, his max exit velocity uh, last year was 109.5. So he's pretty close to that. You know, the barrels are slightly down, but he's still hitting the, the ball decently hard. Like his expected BA is 252 compared to a 188 batting average. So he's been unlucky. So that's fine. Glaber Torres, I was looking up to him yesterday. He has a 7.5% hard hit rate. Yeah, it's bad. Oh I, I benched him this week in leagues. It is. It is bad. But you look at him, like he's walking at a good clip, 14%. You know, the strikeout rate is below league average or at league average. You know, he's still making a decent amount of contact. So a lot of these batted ball skills, like hard hit rate and things like that, they, they, they're they going to take a little bit while longer. His max EV is down. I mean, it's only 106 right now, and he's got 40 batted ball events. So that's a little bit of a concern. Launch angle is too high. He does have three barrels, you know. So, again, three barrels – He's only, he's only got two fewer barrels than Vlad Jr. has. But no home runs to show for it. You know, again, so he, he is struggling a little bit, but he's Glaber. Like, he's your – I think he should be fine. I think he should be fine. With the other guys, I would just do a similar process. Like, look at the Babbitt. Look at the things that kind of kind of get out of whack, the home run to fly ball rate. Like, there's a lot of guys who, you know, think about, like – I mean, like, Kyle Tucker's a great example, like, He's making a ton of contact. He has good plate discipline. He's got like twice as many barrels as Vlad Jr. has, right? Uh, he's got two Vlad's, Vlad barrel rate, you know? And and yet he has nothing to show for it. And that's just going to happen over the course of a small sample size. So those are the types of things that I would look at. You know, look at max exit velocity because I think Eno did some research. I want to say, or no. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was part of it. Eno and Dolph, yeah. uh, and, yeah. uh, Dolph and Alex Chamberlain did research yeah. just showing like, that that's something within like 50 batted ball events that you get a decent uh, thought of, which is a little bit of a concerning, concerning for Glaber considering he has 40 events, yeah. um, batted ball events. But look at those types of things just to see if something looks like it's actually changed. Because with some of these guys, you have guys who have only faced like the Royals and the Tigers and the Pirates. And then you have other teams that have only faced like the Rays and like all these other good like pitching teams, right? And so that's going to that's gonna work it to itself out in the season how you should really know if glaber's good or not is they play the orioles for the next four games yep that's a good and sign. if glaber doesn't hit five home runs in this four game series then i would be start to be concerned a little bit yeah I, actually the the thing you're talking about i believe it was alex and al melchior just to discuss that i thought you were gonna talk about Eno saris was doing research on the new ball that uh, the exit velocity has been different and stuff like that but that's still under under research, it looks like so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Alex Chamberlain's max exit velo article he wrote this summer. The one okay. I think you're referencing is uh, yeah, correlation from yeah, year to year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is also um, a great article that people should read. But yeah, no, I, I'm still trying not to panic too much, especially on guys you paid a, a steep price on. Like you said, guys, that there are massive differences compared to what you drafted them for, what they're usually doing for you. So it's hard for me to completely just start going crazy on things. It's such a long season. We're not playing 60 games, people. Like, we're literally 
barely three weeks in, not even three weeks for some teams. Like we haven't even hit 20 games for some teams. Like we got a long ways to go. Guys go in slumps. If this was middle of the season, you call it a slump. That's all you would call it. Like it's that simple. So let's hold hope and, and hope things change. And I, I'm trying to wait till like the end of April to start really. And that's only like a week away, but that's where I really start kind of thinking, okay, are we doing this? Are we doing that? What are we doing? So we'll, we'll wait and see there. Um, Zaddy Guerrero Jr. says, since I will have so much extra money this year, where should I send the Vladdy jersey for Toby? Um, I mean, I'd love the Vlad, Vlad Jr. jersey. Um, I'll give you my address when you win all your leagues because Vlad Jr. Um, does really, really well. Um, no, I mean, the thing about Vlad Jr. is I just want to make sure people understand. I'm just having to try, trying to have fun, right? I do my yeah. analysis. I have my process. I put my best foot forward. I hope people listening to the podcast know that sometimes I'm going to be right. And sometimes I'm going to be wrong. So far this scene is in, I am absolutely wrong and I will own that and I will take the L and I will be, I will be happy to do that. I'm only disappointed if that happens. Right. And people listen to me and didn't get it, go after Vlad jr. And they wanted him themselves. Right. Yeah. Like that is disappointing. And I don't mean to like uh, minimize that. It's just the profile that Vlad had. I just wasn't comfortable taking him where he was at the same time. I am not prepared to take an L. Vlad has a Babbitt that's over 400, right? The only difference in his skills that we have seen so far, his walk rate is something. Like his, he's, he's not chasing pitches outside the zone, so that walk rate and that OBP is really interesting. So there's definitely concrete things there. It's not like he's hitting the ball harder. It's not like his hard hit rate is up that much. His ground ball rate is down, right? It's in the high, 30, it's like 38% or something like that. But those are the things that take the longest time to stabilize. And so we have to give it time. He's had periods of time in his career that have been very similar to this one right here. It may be the best period of time in his career for sure. But what I'm saying is, and, and Dan McEwen, who, uh, who a good fan of the pod is yeah. saying his ground ball rate, but what, exactly. But how many group ground balls is it? Right. Like, like uh, earlier this, like last week, it was like in the high 20%. Now it's in the high 30%. If he hit, gets a ground ball rate of 38%, his ground ball rate will have gone down by 16% from last year, which I'm not sure if anything like that has ever happened in the history of baseball. So what I will just say is if we get to the middle point of the season and that ground ball rate is still in the high 30s, I will have lost for sure this bet. But things to consider, he's got five barrels so far, far this year. Four of them have been home runs. That's an 80% barrel to home run rate, which is not sustainable. His career is 60%, right? He has three barrels since the opening day of the season. Again, all of these things count. All the stats he's putting up right now count. He's doing an absolutely fantastic job. I just dislike the certainty with which people seem to think that he or anybody else has broken out or is a total bust so far this year. The only way that's true is if they've flamed out from injury and you know they're not going to play the games that they need to play or they've lost their spot in the lineup or there's been some dramatic change like that. So can we can we stop talking with certainty about what has happened so far in the season? That's the, my only request. And it's fun. It's fun to like hype your guys. I like do that all the time. And that's totally great. But just don't talk like it's like it's a done deal. Well, it's, it goes back to we just talked about four guys that we were thinking should we give up on. If we're going to start, like, we're waiting on them because it's such a short season. So guys that are going off, we should also kind of 
hey guys totally it's not even been three weeks yet let's this could totally. be called a hot streak in the middle of the season like, especially <laughs> when guys again like especially when guys like have 450 babbins right you know like and things like that this the the venn Example. diagram between people who think it's certain that vlad jr has broken out this year and the people who picked up and paid a lot of money for Joe Ross this weekend is a circle, people. It's a circle. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you're, 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 par- you're partially kidding. But um, partially yeah, no, that's, I'm just having fun. I'm just. No, having it's fun. a good point. That this, this, that's the whole thing. Is it, it needs to be fun? And something you said at the beginning there is like I was talking with Nick Pollock yesterday, and we're happy if we're correct like forty to fifty percent of the time because we are literally going off a set of numbers, and we're hoping a human being that is full of faults and full of good things can sit, hit these sets of numbers and hitting a baseball is the hardest single thing to pretty much do in all sports around object, hitting around object, especially now the way the ball's moving everything. So we're doing the best we can with what we have. And so to, to start going crazy on it, it's, that's not even worth the time of distress about for me. It's like, it sucks. Like I'm with you. It's, I hope it didn't ruin what, what you're, you're thinking of or whatever. But I think something that you said, I've said, a lot of people have said, even when we're breaking down preview, when we previewed positions and gave our thoughts on players, if you do your due diligence and you still like a guy, then don't listen to what we have to say. <laughs> like that's that's the bottom line. We're giving you our two cents. Follow it if you want. Don't follow it if you don't want. So whole other story, but it'll be fun. That I just have fun, and it's like you're having fun. I have fun with the people that are having fun with you. It's the ones that don't like. Um, like for instance, um, Doug Ishikawa from SP Streamer and Pitcher List, one of the biggest Dylan Nelson Lamette people in the world he's gone to bat for him flug the song the fly he got he got it sent to him today when Denelson mm-hmm. Lamette left so I was DMing with him about something else I said hey I'm just messing with you. He's like I know it's fun I said I give you so much credit for still sitting out there and waving that flag and just going down no matter how many people throw tomatoes at you basically so go do your thing have fun it's all about I, that, that's what he said he said I'm just having fun I said perfect that's all you need to do have fun Totally. And I, I had a guy like I've never interacted with before, like troll tweet me about Vlad Jr. Yeah. And being like, how can you be so negative on a guy who's great? And I'm like, look, I don't have a problem with Vlad Jr. I just didn't think he was going to be good. So he's not on any of my fantasy teams. Or yeah. Not that he wouldn't be good, but he wouldn't be worth his draft cost. So I don't have any on any fantasy teams. I'm not rooting against him. Like if he does well and I still win my fantasy leagues, like I'm perfectly happy. But uh, but then I looked at his profile and he's sitting there tweeting insults at Tant. At, at adding a player and tweeting insults at like Tan, uh, Tanner Roark, you know? And I'm just like, you know, come on people like have fun. Don't insult players. Like yep. don't insult each other. Just have a good time with it. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, Dynasty junkie asks, I remember some Brad Keller buzz late last season after two, after two stinkers, he was dropped. And I just added him after his latest solid outing to replace Lance Lynn. I have him in my lineup tonight. This was for Tuesday. Yet this is a, a literally all I know about the guy. Thoughts on him. And it did not go well on Tuesday. And he already commented on that as well. I am not in on Brad Keller. I know we saw him make changes last year. But to me, he's like another Joe Ross type, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the thing about um, Keller is he's been pretty good throughout his career at limiting hard contact or at least limiting damage. From contact. I mean, here are his strikeout rates 16.5%, 17.2%, 16.3%. This year so far, 13%, right? He doesn't strike guys out. There's a lot of balls in play. So if the Babbitt is high, it's really, really bad. And it's 417 right now. So he's not as bad as he's been, 
but there's really not a lot of upside when he's when there's any chance that he's not going to be good. And again, his in-zone contact rate is 90% consistently every single year. Like his contact rate is way above league average every single year. And so when you pitch him, when you have him in there, you're not expecting to get a lot of strikeouts and you're hoping that balls go to infielders and, and they don't go to him. Or I mean, and then they don't fall in. And unfortunately so far this year, they are falling in. I mean, the one benefit, he is, his velocity is up a little bit, one mile per hour. But again, it, it doesn't seem to make a difference. He doesn't have the secondary pitches to be effective. So I just think that the ceiling is so limited um, that I don't know why you you would take a risk with him versus versus somebody else if you're just hoping that you, you know, that you run into some some batted ball luck, right? And we're not talking like Kyle Hendricks. Like it's not like he's been Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks like doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he's still a gets a pretty high swinging strike rate each year and, you know, has a really nice K minus walk rate. Keller's never done that type of stuff. Yeah. It's been brutal with him. So with you there, Nathan Coleman, our buddy asked, do you guys have any favorite buy low power hitters? Um, I will preface this by saying what we've been saying all along. We're not three weeks into the season. So buy low on power hitters is tricky <laughs> to, to, to be clear on. Cause what's really out there, who's dropped what yet, but do you have any that stand out to you? I'm just going through. All I did was pull up baseball savant right now and just okay, which ones have weird woe with X wobas? There's a there's a bunch of different ways to look at it, obviously. Yeah. But I'm just kind of looking at those standouts. And it, first thing I'll say, some guys that aren't available but have massive differences. I'm glad I own shares like Rafael Devers and stuff because things are about to pick up. It looks like so. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. But anybody stand out to you? Yeah. So what I would do is actually I, I put together like a custom um, a custom uh, leaderboard on fan graphs where I actually have home run per fly ball rate and barrels on the same go. piece. So That's like, if job. I were to look at that, I just look, so Luis Robert has a 0% home run to fly ball rate. He has zero home runs, uh, but he has four barrels. Um, so for me, he's a guy who's a nice little buy low Trevor story, three barrels, zero home runs. Uh, Dansby Swanson, three barrels, home uh, zero home runs. He's a huge target. He would be a huge target for me. Um, if I was, if I was in trading leagues, uh, Dansby Swanson would really great place discipline, better than league average contact rate, hitting the ball really hard. Just not, just not getting it so far. Uh, I mean, I mean, Dansby Swanson, 20.8% O swing. Fantastic. You know, 76.4% contact rate right around league average, 39.4% ground ball rate below league average, 36.4% hard hit rate, but 90.2% average exit velocity, 9.1% barrel rate, 48.5% stat cast hard hit rate. Everything looks really, really good. He's just got too high of a, of a strikeout rate for, um, you know, the underlying metrics, and he hasn't gotten any power at all. So that's kind of like what I would do. Um, let me just see if there's anybody who's like super standing out that's left. One, one guy that I'd go add with now he's got regular playing time is Avisil Garcia. He's barreling up everything right now. So. I, I, I'm looking at that, and that's that's one that stands out to me quite a bit. Yeah. So Ryan Mountcastle, five barrels, one home run. Um, Brian Anderson, five barrels, one home run. Marcelo Zuna, four barrels, one home run. Grichuk, four barrels, one home run. Um, who else we got here? I will say the Tommy Fam concern. The Tommy Fam concerns are real, but he still has an 8.2% barrel rate. He's got a 110 max exit velo. Like, there's a lot of holes with him right now, but – He's still producing pretty well when he's out there. So I'm not saying go all in, but I definitely say don't give up on him just yet. 
Yeah. Um, Travis D'Arno, four barrels, one home run. Ramon Laureano, four barrels, one home run. So that I think is a re- actually a, a pretty good way to go. Just go about doing it. Like just see who who just isn't. You know, not not all barrels are are, are created the same, right? They're not the same. They don't have the same percentage chance of home runs. But it's just a quality of contact metric that combines ground ball rate, power, or launch angle, and bat, uh, velo. So. That's what I would suggest doing to kind of identify who some of those guys might be. Yep, I like that quite a bit. Um, Dave Petroziello asks, should I be very worried about Dylan Moore? Should I be a little more, a little worried about Yuan Moncada? On the good side, forget Vlad Jr. My boy Carson Kelly is off to a great start. So that's a good one. Carson Kelly is torching the baseball. But uh, what about Dylan Moore and Yuan Moncada? I'm not – especially Yuan Moncada, I'm not worried about him yet. He actually checks the box on a an okay barrel rate and just not getting it done yet. Um, Dylan Moore looks lost, but that's a whole other story. What do you, what's your thoughts on these two? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dylan Moore, 161 Babbitt, 34.4% K rate, and his contact rate is actually up this year over previous years. His O swing is, is at a career low as well. He's just not hitting the ball hard, and things aren't, aren't necessarily falling for him. Like, everything looks totally fine from that perspective. His max exit below is at, uh, already within one mile per hour of 2020 he's got four barrels 12 and a half percent barrel rate you know the hard hit rate's fine he's got a 195 expected ba with a 115 average but that's going to factor in the strikeouts as well and the strikeouts should not be as high you know as as they are and so we knew going in that batting average was a concern his career batting average heading into this year was like 220 so we knew that that was obviously a concern but three stolen bases one home run on the four barrels like you know there's nothing in here that's jumping out to me that's screaming like something's terribly wrong. Again, I'm not watching all the games. I'm just stat line, you know, um, looking, but there's, there does not seem to be anything wrong with Dylan Moore compared to what he's been doing previously to me. Yeah. Um, the next one here, Dave Petrozio also asked um, one more in case you don't get to him. How real is jazz Chisholm? He hits the, the ball hard. So his oh, bases and he's as real as real can be for me. I know it's a small sample. I know he's young. I know the league can adjust, but Everything I see, I, what I've watched him with, his stat cast page, all of his numbers, and they put him at leadoff on on Wednesday. If that stays, my goodness. So I, I'm a believer. I am a believer in Jazz Chisholm, but maybe I'm just buying the hype too much. You're you're a smarter guy that looks at more stats than I do. I buy oh, more man. eye test with the, the stats back up my eye test for now. Are you believing it? I am so absolutely disappointed in myself about Jazz Chisholm. <laughs> honestly, honestly. <laughs> Because I I just bought into the narrative. The narrative all offseason was poor plate discipline, doesn't make enough contact, really high strikeout rate. Swings and pitches outside the zone, doesn't make enough contact. The batting average is going to be super low. Now, don't get me wrong. The batting average could be super low. But when you look at even last year, again, small sample size, but his in-zone contact rate was 91.4%. His contact rate was 95.2 or 75.2% league average. His O swing was way better than league average, 26.4%. And what is he doing now? He's doing exactly the same thing. Better than league average plate discipline, better than league average contact rates. And we knew, we knew that he had the pop, right? We knew that he had speed. We knew that he had the pop. And so when you look at like, you know, his max active though last year wasn't great, but already he's close to 112. He had a 10.8% barrel rate last year. Right, he's got he's he's at twenty seven point six. It's going to come down, right? But the hard hit hit rate is is high as well. And so I think it's one of these really good examples where narratives can be if we don't double check the narrative. 
and I'm not not blaming anybody else. I mean, this is this yeah. falls squarely on my shoulders, and it's not like I mean, he's probably going to hit like what two fifty something like that. Two. He's going to have a, he's going to have a rough skid. There's no hiding that it's going to happen. But I still believe in the overall like talent. Totally. Like, awesome. But if you hit two forty two fifty with tw- and you go twenty twenty, which he'll yeah, which probably end up going this year, yeah, definitely like that where he was going in drafts. I mean, it was yeah. all upside, right? And so I and so I'm not blaming anybody else for this. I'm just saying like. When, when he started to do well, and I was like, oh, I'm going to take a look at his player page. And I was like, I did not yep. give him his due diligence this offseason. Yep. I just did not do that. And that happens, right? There's a lot of guys to research, and I actually have him in a couple places, like in, in DCs and stuff like that, um, because of the high upside stuff. But, um, yeah, super disappointing. And cheers to everybody who looked at the data and and followed through and got him. I, I I uh, am super jealous uh, of you, um, and I hope that makes you feel better. I'm very happy of my like $35 bids after week one in some 12 team leagues because that may like I'm that's so, that might go down as my favorite bid the entire season already, and, it, and it, it's so early. But yeah, I wrote him up for a DFS article on I think it was Monday, and I looked just over his last like seven days. The dude had like a 60 something percent hard hit rate, like a 30 barrel rate. The dude was just. And he was and he was walking a ton, like you said. It was just everything you want to see. It was just, it was right there. I'm like, I know he's not. I know it's a seven week, a seven game sample, and that's there's going to be slumps and stuff. But just like you said, the plate discipline for a kid of that age, it just screams that like the sky is the limit for him. Because if like the thing we always make fun of, like Javi Baez and stuff, for is the plate discipline. Like the the talent, the hitting has never been the issue. It's the plate discipline that screws up part of the hitting. So it's like you put now plate discipline with Jazz Chisholm. It's gonna be fun. Like he's he's he seems like the real deal. Like I'm I mean, really I, I'm looking forward to next draft season because if he does put together like a twenty twenty or twenty five twenty five, like he's like a mini like Lindor type to me. Like maybe even a little better. Like it's a he's like a he basically what you we're just saying right now. You just said. It's almost what people were hoping Bichette would do this year, and we saw where Bichette went. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely still contact issues, but like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I really wish I had him on a lot more teams. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But uh, Doug Fraley Jr. asks, if you own Keston Hira on a short bench team, how much longer would you give him? I want to pull the trigger. But the fear of figuring things out lingers. It is terrifying because I still believe the hit tools there somewhere. I really do. It's one of those. It's kind of a flashback to a few years back. I've told the story many times where I dropped Matt Carpenter and they basically got an MVP campaign for four and a half months, and I watched him on someone else's team do that, and it hurts. But if it's like the old saying, if you don't take chances and lose once in a while, then you do, you weren't playing right. I give here like maybe let him come back from the IL, let him play for a couple more weeks. I think the Brewers might make the decision a lot easier for you. Yeah, I mean, here is another one where he's been god-awful, don't get me wrong, but he also has a 179 Babbitt, an 8.3% home run per fly ball rate. You know, we all know that that he's had a much better rate for all of those throughout his career. Um, and so, yes, there are major issues, but I would not drop him yet. You know, I think, you know, could he hit 220? Certainly. Could he hit 220 and still hit 25 home runs and steal 20, 10 bases? Probably, you know, and, and I think, um, and I think you probably knew that uh, heading into the season, just given what he has showed, like his, his in zone contact rate last year was just the worst ever. 
Um, so again, you know, give people, um, you know, give people more time and look for metrics like BABIP, which, you know, is super simple, but you know, again, like over the course of a season, it's very unlikely that Keston Hero will have a below league average BABIP given what we have seen in terms of quality of contact and, and things like that from him in the past. So, uh, certainly concerning, but you know, he has a 10.3% barrel rate, you know? Um, so again, not great, but he will get better. Probably. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like, I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. Like I, I really do think if he struggles, the Marlins might send him or the, the Brewers might send him down and that might make the decision a little easier for you. Then again, he can go down for like three weeks, come back up and torch the world. So it's a very, very tough because I believe the skill sets there. It's just, it's lost. It's bad. Uh, Mike Carter, we already kind of answered your question. How many at bats are you guys giving Dylan Moore? Just wait, just wait a little bit longer. Like that's all I can say. Uh, Richard Sands, how do you handle it when due to injuries, you need to fill multiple positions in fab, but you want to make sure each of your positions needed is covered and you don't end up overfilling one of the positions because of a low priority bid. Seems like there are various methods. I know what he's, I, I get what he's saying because in this era, you're trying to put so many bids out, but you like want to make sure you still cover all your bases type thing. Yeah. Like you're, you're much more of a fabber than I am. How do you go about that? Like you well, mentioned, you have, if, you have if I know 57 are, bids out for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. If I, well, that was on the fan tracks thing. It's much yeah. easier on, um, on, on, uh, NFBC. So if I know that I need to fill this position, then I will fill out a, I'll fill, I'll do like one fab conditional bid list. That's only that position. Um, you know, so like, let's say I don't have a second baseman for the next week because of injury, then I will just do one. That's all the second baseman in order to make sure that I fill that one. Um, and then, you know, if you have a few positions like that, then I would go through and do that and then have the bids subsequent to that, like make sure you have those. And then the other ones can just be whichever player you like the most. So that's kind of how I do it on fab and NFBC if I'm getting the question. But I mean, the question is also like, you just have to make some hard decisions, right? Like, yep. you know, it's like guys injured. Do I want to take a zero next week or do I want to drop this guy who's borderline or maybe not even borderline? Right. Or like I had, I had people drop like Lucas Sims in some of my main event leagues. Right. And, or like other guys that appear to be closers, Taylor Rogers, for instance, like those guys, those types of guys were dropped where it's like, is he the closer? Is he not the closer? Maybe, but maybe you already have closers and that's a choice that you are in a position to be able to make. Right. So you just got to make hard decisions, but when it comes to making sure you fill positions, you just got to create conditional bid lists that are just made up of players from that position to make sure that you fill it. Um, and then, you know, like, let's say like, let's say you have four, four lists, you could do the first one and have that one just be like best player, you know, available. Right. And then you can do the la- the next three being the positions that you absolutely have to fill and only being guys from that position. That way you get the best player that you want. And then you also fill in, you know, like with the conditional bids there. So, yeah, no, it's kind of like I said at the beginning, like I didn't go after Rafael the least because I felt like I had saves. So I went elsewhere with what I had going on. I, I, I do, I do the Scott Jinstead method. I, I've done it for years. I write things down to make my life easier. So when I have fab, I have like a blank piece of paper and there's just scribbled with all my leagues by the end of it on there. But I go to each page. I'm like, okay, I have these two or four guys that I can drop. So these are the guys I can drop. Now I go, these are the positions I need, like you said. And when I go through NFPC, it's like, okay, I go find, say, player A. Well, I put a bid in on player A with all four guys I can drop, basically. 
And then I do it again and I just do it again and again. So if I get this player here and it takes this guy away, then I still can get this player by taking this guy away and so on and so forth, if that makes any sense to anybody. So at least it covers all my bases. It takes time because you'll have a ton of bids out there, but the system makes it so you're not like overdoing it. Like, And then like you said, you would think if you're putting the money in the order you really want people, they'll rank them that way for you also, or you can move things around. So that's kind of how I do it. I, I make sure like the guys I really want, well, they're going to get paid a little. Uh, I'm paying a little more for them than a $2 bid or something. So, yeah. Yeah. This year I'm doing something a little, little different with fab where I have a Google spreadsheet and I have all 10 of my NFBC fab leagues there. And I actually have like all the hitting positions and all the pitching positions. And then I have, you know, first half of the week, second half of the week. And I fill that in to see where I'm missing guys. And if, if, if it's green, it means that I'm going to start that guy that week and that position is filled. If it's yellow, it means I might want to upgrade that guy. And then if it's red, it means that I need to fill that position for the upcoming week. And so that's been a helpful way for me just to have some continuity from week to week, but then also do that. Because I found Scott's way last last year super helpful. But with the number of leagues I've got this year, I'm it just gets having, cluttered. Yeah. And and I've got to I've got to like I don't I like not having to rewrite over again each team out. You know, I can kind of keep like I'm not going to replace JTR and Salvador Perez like any week. So I'll just keep them green highlighted. It minimizes the, the amount of work that I have to do. But I think that that's a great approach. Yeah, no, this was um, this was one fab week of just scribble all over a piece of paper. So if like someone walks into the room, they might think I'm obsessing over like four different players. And, and that's just not the truth. But yeah, it, it can get a little overwhelming if you just have a bunch of leagues all over the place uh, when you're doing it. So your, your method's a lot better than mine because it's much more organized. But uh, yeah, I, I totally uh, get it. Find, I find actually prefer you, your Richard. method because you're like actually writing it down and you're looking at it and stuff like that. But it was just too much. Oh, yeah. Well, you have that, when, when you have as much going on as you do, I get it. I 100% yeah. get it. Um, you sent me a DM. I don't know who the individual is, so I can't mm-hmm. shout them out. But um, he said, I had a question for the pod tonight. Is there hope for Eugenio Suarez to turn it around? I know it's early, but things aren't looking promising under the hood. I'm still holding hope. I think one thing that might be messing with him is the change in position. We've talked about it with guys in the past. Mm-hmm. That, you know, They're more worried about their defense, and then, then that it kind of affects them at the plate. He's still hitting in the middle of that order in a very decent order and a very good ballpark. So I'm not sweating it just yet. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, like, his production, it hasn't been great, but he's got two home runs, 11 runs, five RBIs. I am a little concerned. Um, You know, he's got the 164 average, the 241 BABIP, so the BABIP is pretty low. But then when you look at his hard hit rate, 22.6%, so not great. But the big concern for me is the contact rate. He's at 57.1% right now, overall contact rate. So last, the last couple of years, it's dipped from 77 to 73 and then to 70, and now a 13% drop. Now, again, it's super early in the season, so no reason to get overwhelmingly uh, concerned, I think. I'm also not sure. I'm trying to think who they've played against a lot and whether it's been good pitching teams. But either way, the strikeout rate is way too high. He's still showing good plate discipline, so he's going to score those runs. Um, the max exit velo is down five miles per hour. So it's at 106.5 is the highest. You know, he does have three barrels, but the, the quality of contact metrics are not ideal thus far. Again, it's early. All it takes is one stretch of, of, of hitting the ball really, really well. But he's certainly a player that I have some concerns about that I have on my team. And I, and I agree. If you look under the hood, it's not pretty right now. 
Yeah, and I, I saw this tweet this morning on Twitter. It kind of brought to mind from at the Green Magnus. He uh, works for Dynasty Guru. He wrote, uh, we're almost 300 plate appearances in the post-shoulder surgery from Eugenio Suarez, and it's not great. This season, mm-hmm. he's been missing the ball much more often this season. The EV is way down. Barrel percentage is still above average, but down 6% from 19 to 20, and he's making less contact overall. So there's concern in pretty much everything you said, but like, I saw this tweet. It kind of brought it to mind. I'm still – maybe I'm naive, but I, I'm going to wait just a little bit longer on him. I think we were re- really worried about it going into last year and obviously he had a break because COVID didn't start the season right away, but we still saw some home runs. Like we still saw the production there. Let it, um, let, let it get warmer. It's been freezing, freezing cold. Let, let the men like start hitting some baseball. So as long as the barrel rate's still good, I'm going to hold out hope. Let's put it that way. Uh, Andrew armor asks, how concerned should Kenta Miyanda owners be? I know it's early, but he looks like trash. Yes, he does look like trash. Um, SP streamer put some really good stuff out there that, his slider and whatnot's been way too much in the zone, and it was last year, and he kind of got lucky. He's not getting lucky this year. So I don't know. You, you've probably dug into it more. I didn't pay the price because it was so high this year, so I didn't have to worry about it, but it's not good right now. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, I, haven't, I haven't dug in a ton. So he currently has a 404 Babbitt against, which is not great. Um, the thing with Maeda is last year he had a 208 BABIP against an 80% and an 80% strand rate. So there was going to be regression coming his way at some point in time, right? Those are just not sustainable numbers unless you're Trevor Bauer. Um, and, and so, you know, today was honestly like it was awful, right? Three home runs, seven runs, three innings pitched. If you were to take his line so far this year, and combine it with his line for last year in 2020, my guess is you'd probably get like a three, five ish ERA uh, with a one, you know, a one whip and a lot more strikeouts than you do innings pitched. And that's probably closer to the pitcher than Kenta Maeda is overall than it is, you know, than it was in 2020. I mean, 2020 was a special season. And so, you know, he had a 32.3% strikeout rate, which, which was about five, five, 6% higher than his league average. He had a really, he had a 4% walk rate, you know, even though, um, you know, because the O swing uh, went up so much. So there's just, you know, Kenta Maeda has never been as dominating a pitcher as he was last year. Yeah. He's facing different competition. He did not have the powers of regression that hit him at all last year. And those things happen. So I think he's going to be fine. Um, I'll have to see like once they integrate this next start into things, but you know, these types of things happen with all pitchers and and I wouldn't be super concerned. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wasn't willing to pay the draft cost for him, but you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the way that that, that it works. I think. Yeah. I wasn't paying the draft price because it's the old saying you're paying for his his best year. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that because I'm I'm with you on the fact that we're, maybe we're seeing the regression. So eventually I'll get back to the mean of where he really is compared to last year. And that'll be great because that means you have a lot of good starts coming your way. Something to think about. But um, I, it just didn't look good. Oakland, in, call, in Oakland, they pounded him. They pounded him hard. So yeah. some, some, something to monitor. He, he's living in that zone a lot right now, and it's that he's getting hit around. So something definitely to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be dropping him by any means, like you said, but something to watch. Yeah, and one thing to be wary of is I don't know what the weather was like in Oakland, but 
his fastball velocity was down 1.4 miles per hour. He averaged 89.8 on his four-seam fastball. Yeah, that's not good. So that is not good at all. Um, and so that's one thing to really be uh, cognizant of there because if that if that holds up, and I know he struggled with velocity during the spring, that holds up, that makes all of those pitches worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully it was just a matter of cold and he wasn't feeling great and that and that bumps back up. But that would be very concerning to me that that velocity dip. Yeah, no, it was um, it was beautiful, sunny. I think it was like in its sixties. So yeah. Okay. Um, last question: Dan the Goat at Dan McEwen says, "I love for you guys to talk about Joey Votto because I'm looking at his Statcast page and I had to pick him up right away. Am I missing something? I think a monster year becoming." Hey, I preached it in draft season. I wrote about it. I preached it on most of my DFS shows. He's underrated. He's not like a beast beast, but he's a 20 to 25 home run guy that's still going to get on base a ton. I have zero problem, in, especially in deeper leagues, only Joey Votto. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he seems like he's continued kind of what he was doing towards the back end of last year with just hitting the ball a lot harder. Um, as Dan mentioned, like the stack cast metrics are better. The contact rate has dipped, but it's still around league average. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's nice, especially in deeper leagues, you know, so the exit velocity is nice. The max exit below is the highest it's been. He actually has a 113.6 this year, which is higher than in any season previously on record barrel rate, 13.2% hard hit rate, 47.2% all career high numbers. I think the one thing to be cognizant of uh, with Votto is, you know, he is, he's very, he's very slow and he pulls uh, pretty much a lot of his ground balls. And so if you watch him, you'll notice how frequently he shifted. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why you're going to see him continuously underperform, you know, his expected metrics by a decent amount is because he's not going to get a lot of base hits on the ground with that infield shift on. And so, you know, like right now he has a 254 average, a 327 expected BA. Yeah, the batting average should probably be up a little bit, but, you know, last year he underperformed it as well. So I would just be kind of thinking about that a little bit. I wouldn't be expecting the same average that we've seen from Votto in the past, you know, or anything approaching 300, but I do think like 250, 260 with, you know, um, you know, a decent amount of power and, and, and some nice counting stats in the middle of that lineup, I think. And that's great. That's fantastic to have where he was going. Yeah, no, his average will go down. He he made even a point last year. He was more aggressive, and he made a completely different approach to the play where he's trying to elevate the ball more. So that that's that's going to lead to more flyouts and whatnot. But also in that ballpark, more power. So I, I'm a big fan. And uh, yes, Dan, be glad you grabbed him. If you can grab him elsewhere, do it. There might be slums, but if you have a if it's a roto league at the end of the year, you're going to be very happy with the stat line. I have a feeling. So I, I was preaching corner infielder, or if you somehow waited for first baseman that long, sure, knock yourself out. Big Joey Votto fan here. Go Canada. Um, but that'll wrap us up this week, Toby. Any final thoughts as we are strong into week four of the fantasy baseball season? No, I just say stay patient. I mean, we still have so long to go, right? We still have 23, 22 um, weeks of fab left. And I think that's where I, I mentioned at the top, like the mistakes that I made, but but for me, I, I think I overbid on some guys and I'm found myself in a position now where, you know, I still have like 800, 750 bucks or whatever to spend, but that sounds like a lot. But then when you start breaking it out on a week by week basis and your ability to go after guys that come along later on, you know, that you really want, um, it starts to, uh, it starts to go away quick. So just be patient. 
realize we have a lot of time. It's still super early in the season. Even when we get to the end of this month, we're still only one sixth of the way through. So um, yeah, that would be my, my departing words, if you will. Yeah. And in, in that kind of same idea is see who hasn't been patient on the drops. As Toby mentioned some guys yeah, in his leagues, totally. go start grabbing some of them on the cheap, even if you're not planning on playing them this week, because maybe you don't need a guy to plug in right away. You got someone you can probably drop for some of these guys. Like he mentioned Lucas Sims. Um, I, I hate to break it to people, but Amir Garrett's looked bad too. Sims is going to, I already like Sims to get a handful of saves anyways. Like if, if Garrett continues to struggle, Sims is going to walk right into that situation. And both of them have struggled, but that's just one example of a bunch of guys that are probably getting dropped out there. So I mean, Garrett gave up a three run homer today. Yeah. You know, he's been struggling to save. So, so I, I wouldn't be like so gung ho. Like there, there's got to be guys and you can get them first a couple bucks now compared to if you wait too much longer. They're going to go back for a hundred bucks or something crazy. So just kind of be cognizant of that. Even if you get them for a couple bucks and you have to drop them in two weeks, that's fine. It's well worth it now to do that instead of something else later. So you can play, you can play that game instead of trying to get the shiny new toy every Sunday. Do that as well. So that'll be my two cents there. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll be back with you guys next week with uh, the usual. Keep the listener questions coming. That's what we love doing probably more than anything on this show because it's really about you guys and gets more of a, a organic conversation going about fantasy and strategy so we like that one a lot more so keep those questions coming in you can get toby on twitter at batflipcrazy i'm at bd endrick and we'll catch you guys next week